Greetings in Jesus' name. This is Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, How to Study the Bible, or an expanded title would be How to Study the Bible to Find Truth That Your Salvation Can Rely Upon. Uh, this is Lesson 6, and um, in the last lesson we talked about the Scripture uh that Jesus said, uh, if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into the ditch. Uh, in this lesson, we want to talk about one of the primary sources of spiritual blindness. This uh, also is not a comfortable uh, subject to talk about, uh, quite frankly, because it's near and dear to the hearts of many, many people. Uh, and that is the peril of religious tradition. Is religious tradition harmless? Is it uh, an acceptable alternative uh, to truth? One of the primary sources of spiritual blindness is both in both leaders and followers is religious tradition, which may be aptly defined as rituals or practices that have no clear biblical basis, but which are followed and promoted regardless. Uh, Well, we've always done it this way. Well, that's, you know, okay, so you've always done it that way. But what is the biblical basis for what you've always done? Just because you've always done it that way, or your natural or spiritual father, or perhaps they're one and the same, uh, did it that way, that doesn't mean that it's okay for you to do it that way. <clears throat> Again, if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall in the ditch. So if I'm doing what my natural or, and or spiritual father did because they did that and I have not examined it for myself, then uh, it, it, what if it wasn't pleasing to God? And so you're going to follow it because that's the way they did it. Well, you're not going to be pleasing to God either. Uh, since religious traditions are not supported scripturally, they are therefore counterproductive for the truth. To the truth, so we're going we're to look at this. We're going to look at some scriptures that talk about this, and hopefully, you will open your mind and spirit to the Word of God and hear what God, uh, especially in his manifestations, Lord Jesus Christ had to say about this. A spiritual leader or influencer cannot give what they do not possess. A spiritual leader or influencer cannot give what they do not possess. If a leader doesn't have truth, they can't give truth. If they don't have light, they can't give light. If they don't have a relationship with God, they can't teach you how to have a relationship with God. If they haven't won a soul, they can't teach you how to win a soul. If they've never prayed anybody through the Holy Ghost personally, they can't teach you how to do that. If they don't have faith, they can't teach you how to have faith. They can't give and they cannot give, they cannot give through impartation and they cannot give through instruction what they do not possess. That's a, that's especially uh, 
devastating if it is they do not possess light. They may have opacity. They see light. They see movement, but they don't have enough truth to no longer be considered blind. They don't see enough light, clarity of light, to no longer be considered blind. If one is following traditions which cannot be found in the Scripture, those traditions will do great damage to the leader and to the followers of that leader. Uh, let's let's just let the Bible talk about this for a little bit. Let's let let's let Jesus Himself talk about this a little bit. Let's consider the words of Jesus on the subject of religious tradition. Now, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished uh, unto all good works. Okay, may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All Scripture, however. We do understand there are some some scriptures that contains the words of men. Uh, They're recording what men said. Uh, The rich young ruler said, "Good master, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life?" The good that's Bible. That's in the scripture. He said that. But we also know that when he was told what he had to do, he walked away sorrowfully because he wasn't able to do that. God told Moses or Moses Noah to build an ark. He didn't tell us to build an ark. So while all of that's in the scripture and it's all true, it, it may not have the same direct bearing on us as other scripture. Therefore, when in the gospels, especially when Jesus was speaking, uh, there are times that he spoke that are very, very potent and important to us, and we need to pay close attention to them especially when he was very, very direct, and he was very, very direct in many, many situations. Here's one of them, Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse 9. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? One more time now. He said, uh, the Pharisees said to Jesus, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Jesus turned it around on them and said, Why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? The Pharisees considered the tradition of their fathers, the tradition of the elders, to be of such great importance, they challenged Jesus on it and his followers on it. He turned it right around and said, why do you keep your traditions even though they contradict the word of God? So much so that by your traditions, you are transgressing the commandment of God. What were they doing? Well, part of what they were doing, they were teaching the importance of washing your hands when you've been out among sinners. That sounds fairly whatever, you know. Back five, six years ago, my wife had cancer, and because she went through chemo, and it was a was quite whatever, and she was warned to not, uh, you know, to be, you know, to use sanitizer, hand sanitizer, and all that because she 
could not handle physically getting a, an infection, she began to use a lot of hand sanitizer. Well, I ended up using hand sanitizer because she did because she would give me some. That would be whatever it was, okay? And uh, and so, you know, I, I don't think there's any sin in that. I don't do it because I am afraid not to. I do it because she prefers for me to, and that's okay. I do that. But uh, so I, I don't think anybody can say there'd be something wrong with teaching people to wash their hands when they come home after being in public. But they made it a commandment equal to the Word of God. And when they made it equal to the Word of God, they transgressed the command of God. And he says, for God commanded, saying, honor thy father and thy mother, and he that curseth thy father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father and his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition." They made the commandment of God of none effect by tradition. Now, we have traditions. Uh, it's a tradition to wear a suit to church. It's a tradition to wear a tie. It's not in the word of God. There aren't going to be suits and ties in heaven. We're going to have white robes. So it's not eternal. It's a tradition. And I accept the fact that in situations, there are, uh, it is expected of me to wear a suit or a tie. But the moment that you make me wearing a suit or a tie, a heaven or hell issue, or even a fellowship issue, you've just crossed the line of the Word of God. You crossed the line. Now, uh, as a church here at Antioch, we have leadership requirements, and we expect our, and especially on Sunday mornings, we expect our leaders to wear a coat and tie. Uh, if they have a reason not to, uh, then we will consider that. But it is an expectation. It is not a salvation issue. We make it very clear that it's not a salvation issue. It's just a matter of discipline. It's not a matter of holiness. It's not a matter of righteousness. It's just a matter of discipline. It's not a matter of doctrine. It's not a matter of salvation. It's just a matter of discipline for leaders in setting an example. So there are some things that we practice that as long as it's clearly presented as what it is we're doing, okay, okay. Uh, many years ago when my wife and I first came to this city, which is 50 years this September, September 2020. Uh, uh, I, we were both raised in Pentecost, and in Pentecost, Sunday morning was Sunday school and morning worship, and then Sunday night was evangelistic service. And we came here to Maryland, and these people didn't know anything about that. So we couldn't get visitors to come on Sunday night. Uh, they only came on Sunday morning. And I'm complaining to the Lord about how ignorant these folks are spiritually that they don't know that they're supposed to come on Sunday night so I can preach a salvation message to them. And he says to me, 
Uh, don't you think you ought to preach to them when they're here? And I went, okay, all right. That makes sense to preach. If they're going to come on Sunday morning rather than Sunday night, let's preach to them on Sunday morning. So we changed it. We're still doing that. Sunday morning is our evangelistic service here because for probably 60 plus percent of all visitors we ever have, first time guests we ever have to our church, they're going to come on Sunday morning. They're going to come on Sunday morning. So we do a full uh, Sunday school for the 12 and under and we have Morning, full-blown evangelistic service, worship, demonstration of the Spirit, and shouting and demonstrative worship and prayer, and we preach, and we're hoping, our expectation is to pray them through the Holy Ghost. Uh, Sunday night has become primarily a service for the church. Now, when I made this change as a young pastor, one of the, an elder came and preached for me, and he said, Oh, Brother Wright, he said, what you're doing is very dangerous here because you know that's not the way it's done. Sunday night's our evangelistic service, and you're opening yourself up to some very uh, dangerous things here by changing this around. Well, the slight problem was that God told me to do that, and all he was doing was talking about protecting tradition, which it, it was our custom at that time, especially in the Bible Belt, for Sunday night to be the evangelistic service. And I understand that because you're – in the Bible Belt, you're reaching people that are already saved, they, that you can't reach them because they've got their own church on Sunday morning. So the only time you got a chance of them visiting will be on Sunday night. So you're going to preach to them on Sunday night. Got it. No problem. But that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. And neither was having church on evangelistic service on Sunday morning in the Bible. So we had to do what we had to do, depending on the situation, to obey the Bible which was to preach the gospel to every creature. So when I take a practice, especially one instituted by a beloved elder or father who might have been my elder, and I make that equivalent to the word of God so that I may not go so far as to say that person not saved, but I'm not comfortable fellowshipping with them because they have crossed the line of our tradition. I've violated violated the word of God. I've also hindered myself from doing what the will of God says. Now, Jesus kept continued on here. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Now it's possible to preach stuff that's truth and negate it by preaching stuff that is tradition as though it were truth, though it were doctrine, biblical doctrine. It's possible. It's possible. Now, if you're going to make the word of God the final authority in your life, you don't present anything as being biblical truth that has no basis in biblical truth. You don't do that. You don't do that. So how can I know? If I'm not going to study the word of God objectively with a clean slate so the Lord can show me what he wants to show me without me saying, no, I can't accept that because that's going to cause people to not accept me. 
or I will be considered lost. I'm going to do this. I've just made that equivalent to the word of God. If, if my traditions are keeping people from the kingdom, traditions that I have no biblical basis for are keeping people from the kingdom because I'm using them along with the word to judge them as not being acceptable to God. And I got a problem. And I will say this to you in the last lesson, when Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, both they'll both fall in the ditch. He was talking about the blindness produced by tradition. It was religious people who were blind who are equating tradition, their traditions to the word of God. They were blind. They were leading people in blindness and everybody was going to be lost because of it. It's strong stuff, isn't it? Let's go to the place where Jesus talked about it in the book of Mark chapter seven. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem when they, and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be, which they have received to hold or to keep, to obey, as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and tabernacle uh, tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes ask him, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain they do worship me. They worship me, but it's empty, useless, worthless, of no value to me at all. I don't even pay attention to it. <clears throat> They've taken their worship and they have made it of no value to me. It's empty and worthless, useless. Why? Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, whosoever curse thy father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say it's gift, by whatever thou mightest be profited by, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And he, and ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions which ye have delivered, and many such like things ye do. That is really, really strong language. That is strong language. And it is important word here because the purpose of studying the scripture is to find out what the scripture says and what it doesn't say. As we will talk in our lessons in the future on this subject, you, you know, one of the key elements of finding truth is you speak where the scripture speaks, you're silent where it's silent. You don't add to or take away from the word of God. That's exactly what tradition has done. And it's a source of blind leaders leading People to be blind and the blind leader and the blind follower are going to fall in the ditch. <clears throat> it wasn't just Jesus that addressed the subject of tradition. Paul said this, Colossians chapter 2, Beware lest any man spoil you, 
you th- spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now, <clears throat> it's uh, important to note here that the word translated spoil it's not the word for spoil like meat going bad. It is the spoil, it is spoil like what a conquering army does to its victims. Uh, it spoil, it takes the spoil. The spoil is the wealth, the gold, the silver, uh, they took slaves as spoil. Uh, all of this meaning it robbed you, it, it, it spoils when you rob your the, the people you conquered of everything valuable to them, not just their land and their houses, but everything and everything. And that was part of the purpose <clears throat> when you conquered a, a people was to make them unable to recover from that defeat and to attack you back. So Paul uses that term, the Holy Ghost through Paul uses that term to describe the effect of tradition. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, that's man's intellectual understanding of things, and vain deceit, just uh, abusing you through deception, after the tradition of men, after the elements or the rudiments of this world, the base things of this world, and not after Christ. So, he put tradition in, in this category. He put it in there equal to philosophy, vain deceit, and the rudiments of this world. <clears throat> now, it is very important for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be very, very, very careful what things it does by practice and what things it promotes as doctrine. You know, if you go to most churches, you'll find that they will start off with some prayer. They will sing two to three songs, and then there will be uh, some kind of uh, 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 prayer for a prayer request or ministry of prayer. There will be offering and uh, announcements, and the preacher will preach. And depending on the type of church, there may be some kind of altar call or prayer or whatever. <clears throat> and that is our liturgy. A liturgy is the format we use for church services. Now, I am sure that the early church had some kind of order to their services because the Jews had order to their worship. They had order, and that order came from God. And so I'm sure the Jews had some kind of order, even though the Scripture gives us no indication of an order of worship. It only tells us of certain things you can do when the body gathers together for prayer and praise and ministry and instruction. They also did not, uh, the scripture also does not dictate how long these gatherings would last. When we get to the place that you can't preach now because it's time to do this now, and the Holy Ghost can't guide and direct me to do whatever it is he wants me to do when he wants me to do it, then I have crossed the line from an acceptable practice to a tradition that is a violation of the Word of God. If I can't do that. Or if people visiting our service 
if uh, they would be highly offended if the preacher felt like to preach, to sing one song and preach and then do other things as the Spirit led later on, and they say, you can't do this because that's not the way it's done, then they've crossed the line into tradition. It's wrong. Is it wrong to have an order of worship? No, as long as that's not... uh, (laughs) It's okay for a river to have banks, but the flow of the Holy Ghost is not a river that needs banks. What it needs is... The, the people that are leading and the people being led to be able to flow wherever the Holy Ghost wants to go because it's God's service. It is God's time for us to be together. And he's, we're not only ministering to him, he's ministering to us and he has a right to do that through any means he chooses. But if we don't let that happen because it's contrary to our tradition, we've crossed the line here. <coughs> so, The Bible is very clear on things that a church does when they come together. Now, there's no indication that has to be done every time. For instance, communion. There is nothing in the scriptures that says how often communion is supposed to be. And if a church decides it's going to practice communion every service or every day, there is latitude in the scripture to do that as long as they don't judge everybody else that doesn't do that. That's what, that's when a tradition comes a, becomes a, a real problem. There's two problems with tradition. First of all, when it restricts me because of my fear of being rejected because I'm going to be considered wrong, if I follow the Holy Ghost and it's leading me contrary to tradition, and the Holy Ghost is always going to test us with tradition by giving leading that is contrary to our normal practices and seeing if we obey. And then second of all, the problem with tradition is when I judge others who don't do it like us as being wrong. Now I've made my tradition, our practices, I've made them equivalent to the word of God. That's why it is so important to not be blind. It is so important to have light. And light shines on truth. And if the light shines on an empty road, it's an empty road. If the light shines in an empty box, it's an empty box. I don't put stuff in the box so the light will have something to shine on. That's God's business to do that. So when he speaks, he speaks. When he's silent, he's silent. That's his prerogative. He's God. And so therefore, the silence of God on certain subjects is just as important as the voice of God. Why? Why? Because it's very important to understand the difference between <laughs> between doctrine and convictions. Doctrine is what everybody's accountable for. Convictions is what the Holy Ghost deals with me about personally for my own soul. Knowing my personality. He knows my personality. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my personality. So therefore... He may tell me I can't do this when it's fine for you to do that. But if he tells me not to do this and then I judge you for doing it, I've just taken what God gave me to be a personal conviction and made it a doctrine, which is tradition, and I just violated the word of God. Well, Why is it okay for some to do it and not not others? Because God knows what I need to do to be saved. And if I'm submitted to him... Submitted to his word 
and governed by His Spirit, what He tells me I can do or not do for the purpose of my salvation, I should be appreciative for that. I should not be challenging Him on that. I should be thankful for that. And if somebody else can do that and it's no temptation to them at all, the Bible says every servant stands or falls to his own master. I don't have a right. Romans 14 is very clear on this. I don't have a right to judge somebody else and their faith. Now, doctrine is different. And as we will discuss in later lessons, every word that's doctrine has to be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. There has to be biblical evidence by more than two or three witnesses that that is a, a an eternal doctrine that everybody's required to do. For instance, water baptism in Jesus' name or receiving the Holy Ghost is not optional for anybody. And be baptized every one of you. That's a doctrine. Everybody's judged by that. Everybody's judged by that. But not everybody is judged by whether or not they wear a suit and tie to church. Now, I feel more comfortable in suit and tie, but I'm wondering if the reason I feel more comfortable is because those that don't, uh, that, that believe that has to be done, would be offended. I don't want to offend anybody. There's no skin off my nose if I wear a coat and tie, or I don't, really. Especially not if it's going to be a problem to my brother. But if my brother is judging me for something that's not in the book, even if I'm trying not to offend him, he's now, he's offended God because he just took tradition and made it a doctrine. Finally, Peter said this about tradition. First Peter chapter one, verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and spot, without spot. Uh, notice this, please. You were redeemed from your vain conversation. The Greek word there is not talking about what I say, but it's in 1611, that word was spoke of the entire lifestyle of a person. So you were redeemed from your vain, empty, useless, worthless lifestyle that you patterned after the tradition from your fathers. That's pretty strong language. That's pretty strong language. It's okay for me to do what my fathers did as long as I'm not rejecting word, other words from word of God that's contrary to that and I'm not judging other people by that. But that's exactly what was going on here. So he said... For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, 
being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now, what is feigned love of the brethren? When I love people that dot my I's and cross my T's, that I don't have biblical basis for those things being doctrine, or I don't love those who won't dot my I's and cross my T's that I don't have a biblical basis for, I am participating in feigned love of my brethren. I'm going to love you if you walk in step with me on everything I think. Or I'm not going to love you if you won't. That's not the basis for fellowship. The basis for fellowship is the word of God. The word of God is the final authority, not the way we've always done things, not your opinion, not my opinion, not anybody's opinion, not anybody's practices. The word of God is the final authority on everything. And my love for you and your love for me must, must be based on the word of God, not practices. It must be based on the, on the doctrine of God, not practices, not the traditions of men. If I do, I'm blind and those I'm leading are blind. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you and I and the body of Christ would be completely delivered from the spirit of religious tradition so that the pure and true light of truth from God, revelatory light of truth from God would shine in our hearts so that we could love God by because our souls are purified in obeying the truth of the word of God through the spirit so that we can love our brethren as we've been loved by the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.